right, I'm going noteless for this one. There ain't nothing on this screen, okay? I'm just flying in from the seat of my pants. I just got done with talking about how recons are all either into everybody's business or trying to figure out a checklist about what to do. You know, they can't do enough. The whole worth and worthlessness and don't be sidelined and you're expendable and all of that nonsense. Picture a horseshoe, okay? Have you ever heard of the horseshoe theory? The recons are so far on this side that at some point they're actually going to get to the other side that's supposed to be due opposite, but they're actually very close. They almost overlap. The other side of the horseshoe is what they've been trying to run from, but it's the side where they're not trying to figure out how much can I possibly do to earn God's graces, but how much can I eliminate from doing stuff and still be in God's graces. So it's still about earning and what's on the checklist. It's just a different side of the horseshoe. Every single time I talk about the weaknesses of recon theology, somehow I'm reminded of their strengths in a weird twisted way. They're not supposed to have strengths, they're nuts. But they do compared to that side of the horseshoe. But it's still extremes. Why can't we be in the middle up here somewhere, like in the center of the horseshoe? Why not? That is the mystery. I'm sure it has something to do with sin and total depravity, but I'm digressing. Let's talk about the other side of the horseshoe just for a second. I know this is supposed to be about recon, but we gotta talk about the other side of the horseshoe just for a second. Because y'all think you're so much better than the recons when you're just a, 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 a kiss away, so to speak, from being right in bed with them again. While the recons on one side will be like, I have to do all these things, you know, if I'm involved in church, for example, I'm not gonna just go to church and go home. I'm going to help run a class at the Sunday school or start a school at the church for the local community. I'm going to become the janitor. I'm going to start painting this room and decorating that room and doing the flowers and everything. And I'm not saying no other church does that. Actually, a lot of churches do that, but I'm just trying to like pick an example to counter what I'm about to say on the other side of the horseshoe. So stick with me. They're going to be like, I can't do enough. While the other side of the horseshoe is something along the lines of, well, how often do I really have to go to church? How often do I have to? It's still the have to. Remember that part? The have to? I talked about the recons, the have to, have to. So, but the recons are like all the things and they're just like some of the things. The strength that I'm talking about, the strength that doesn't necessarily eclipse everything else that I've been talking about because I'm not a recon, okay? But if I'm going to steal from that camp and give credit where credit's due. The strength is that they're not actually afraid to call sin what it is. I've actually just talked about the fact that, yeah, they're not afraid to call sin what it is because they're going to come down like a ton of bricks on everybody and forget that Christianity is about building relationships. But on the other side of the horseshoe, you've got people who are so concerned about maintaining their earthly relationships that they sacrifice the one relationship they're supposed to have esteemed above all else, and that is with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just the layman. It's the pastors. It's the elders. It's the deacons. It's the all of them. How often do you have to go to church? Wrong question. How much do you not want to go to church that you're asking how to get out of it? Why do you feel like you're satisfied with the bare minimum 
of fostering a relationship with the Lord? Where's the passion? Where's the our God is consuming fire aspect of your life? Why are you not consumed? Do you have any idea what that means? That means you cannot operate outside of service to God in every capacity. The recons get that. And I've talked about how they go too far and it's become a works righteousness compost pile. But, you know, it's just like, I go on talking about this, trying to get involved with people who are outside of these lunatic camps and I met with all of the reasons why Recon exists. You know, thank you, you lethargy apathy people, you Jabba the Hutt people who are sitting on their butts eating peanuts all day, thinking that they're doing some sort of spiritual leadership for the church. You gave rise to the Recons. They were trying to address a real problem. I actually said that in my very first episode. I said, there's a real problem that's happening with apathy that the Recons have just like jumped ship and swam to another island to try to fix instead of just like turn the ship around. So you've got these people who are in leadership who don't do a damn thing. I've got 12 deacons and they're just so great. You know, all right, that's it. I'm going to pull this up right freaking now. Figure this out. All right, First Timothy, right? You got all these people in leadership that literally have no idea what the heck they're doing. I'll tell you the horseshoe again, all right? Recons have talked about, are going on and on so much about how, you know, everything in, like, the Hebrew Republic is still somehow cookie-cutter applicable to the days and age. We haven't even gotten into that yet with this whole entire uh, podcast. I- I'm kind of dreading that one. That's going to be a real rat's nest to unravel. But you have that. But then you got the other side of the horseshoe that says, well... Why are you using scripture to justify your actions there? Why are you using scripture as your axiom there? Why are you asking me to defend my position scripturally? I'm not kidding. From freaking authorities in the churches. What else are you going to do? Where else are you going to get your, your cues? Where else are you going to gain your morality from? There are, of course, ways that you can twist scripture. But the fact that you're starting from scripture, that's your beef? Go chase an ambulance. Get yourself out of this kitchen. There's nothing for you to do. You can't make food enough to give to your congregation if that's what you're saying. Let me talk about this. This is 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13. It's new KGV. A bishop then must be blameless. Obviously, you can't be perfect, but the word doesn't mean perfect. It means that you have no besetting sin about you. The husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, That's a lot already. Temperate, yes, you're not given to the fiery brimstone, which is something the recons should think about. Sober-minded, you're you're even-keeled. You can give everybody the benefit of the doubt a little bit with the grace. People taking it too far, people not taking it far enough. Of good behavior, generally good character. Hospitable, that's a huge one. Think about your church. How many of your elders, your deacons, or your pastor, or pastors, if you have more than one, have not just invited you over to, like, vet you when you were becoming a member or, like, when there was a special occasion, but regularly open their home to the people in the church. I guarantee you a very small fraction do that. We've been to churches in the past. I've never been at someone's house. Like, one of the elders. Never been at their house. Never. They never opened their home. 
Now, it may not be that you have to go to their home either. Maybe it's like, hey, let's meet here for coffee. Hey, let's take you out to dinner. Hey, why don't we go to this event together, the fair, be of a hospitable nature. I know some people whose like houses, they're very small houses or they're cluttered because there's construction or they have like, <laughs> I mean, take this for what you will, but like high maintenance pets, <laughs> whatever. You don't have to have it in the home. It's usually the first and foremost thing people do, but be of a hospitable nature. Guarantee you hardly anyone invites anybody over anymore and opens their home in that fashion. That is something that you have to, have to, have to, have to be in order to be a bishop. All right. Now let me talk about this the recon way. I've seen people, I think I mentioned this once on this podcast, where it's like, oh, well, so-and-so only invited me, you know, seven times in X amount of years or whatever. Like, that's wrong. So you got the two sides of the coin. You got people who don't do it at all. You got people who are keeping a checklist of, of you doing it. It's like, it's a motivation thing. Like, like the spirit has nowhere to work here. You got the hospitable able to teach, not given to wine, you're not drunk. You're not given to wine though. <laughs> what does wine signify in the scripture at all? Like many times, gladness, you know, it is a good thing, but you're not given to the ease of life. You're not given to the comforts of life. You're not of a, of a, a personal bend toward just materialistic consumption. That's what I get out of it anyway. I haven't done this case study. I'm not a pastor, but you know, everybody's like, oh, well, so-and-so doesn't even drink, so he's fine. No, he's not. Think for two seconds how this can actually apply to you because every last freaking word in scripture applies to you, even if it doesn't apply to you. The stuff about being married, husbands love your wives, whatever. Oh, single people just gloss over that. No, that's about you too. What about elder women serving the younger, younger? Well, I'm an older woman. I'm not a younger woman. I don't need to think. No. No, there is something that you can glean from it. People don't think like that anymore. Recons will almost gnostically figure out all of the hidden meanings of things until they're ad nauseum in some weird camp over here. But the other side of the horseshoe doesn't do it at all. Not violent, not greedy for money, gentle, not quarrelsome, yada yada. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. All right, fine. I've already talked about this. Now, likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued. Not double-tongued. Not double-tongued. Talking out of the two sides of your mouth because you want two different things with one person over here and one person over here. You can't reconcile. Not giving to too much wine comes right after that, by the way. You got double-tongued with the gossip I talked about in Recon. Where it's like, oh, so-and-so... Like, what was it I said? Something about, like, they just talk about stuff in order to feel a certain angst about it and, like, foster that feeling. But there's no desire for restoration that comes out of it. All right? And then they'll be all nice and cheery to that person, of course, because, because of course. On the other side, not double-tongued, you're going to do the same. You, you may not do the whole gossip thing, but you probably will, but you may not. But you're going to talk to one person as if you're going to do X, Y, and Z. But then behind their backs, do A, B, and C. Either not including them when you said you would. Or telling them half of the truth about something because you don't want them to know X, Y, and Z when they should. That's the kind of double-minded, well, not double-tongued thing that we're talking about. 
In Titus, we got deacons, elders, whatever, not accused of dissipation or insubordination. <laughs> not self-willed. Not given to wine. Again. But hospitable. Holding fast the faithful word as has been taught. That he may be able by sound doctrine to exhort and convict those who contradict. Oh, I'm not going to bring that up to so-and-so because he might get mad. Oh, poor baby. I've got the recon problem where I'll just freaking throw a hand grenade and tell you in all my Italian glory exactly the way it's supposed to be. I get that's a problem and only supposed to be used in very small circumstances, if at all. But y'all just going off about not talking about anything... Recon's got one up you on that. There's a good old boy system everywhere you go, isn't there? There's a good old boy system where you've got your friends that you don't want to lose. Here's a thing, another thing. That's a horseshoe thing. I've talked about recons want one thing out of life. They have a mission to change the world, you know, nationalistically, whatever you want to say. Whereas the people on the other side of the horseshoe, they have a mission also. They want to be the poster boy of safety and security for either, you know, people who have been burned by other churches, be a safe haven for them, or people who are, you know, just coming to the faith and they want to be gentle and gracious, but they become like the poster child for that. Just like the recons are poster childs for, poster childs, just like they're becoming poster children for, you know, government reform or whatever. This candidate that candidate okay you're still doing the same thing horseshoe poster boy for something as opposed to just preaching the word unabated so if you decide you know oh i seem to attract these types of people you know they're 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 simple in the faith instead of just thinking about what your calling is as a christian and continuing to do that right and dispense that properly you start thinking in terms of how can I get more of this kind of person because clearly this is my bigger vocation. I have to appeal to these types of people. No, you don't. No, you're not supposed to appeal to anyone but God, I guess, if that makes sense. You're not supposed to appeal to anybody. You're supposed to obey God. Oh my gosh, why do you do this? If obedience to God means that your normal audience dissipates, so be it. If obedience means you lose your mother, you lose your father, you lose your kids, you lose your brother, you lose your sister, you lose everything that you've ever known, your house, your car, your, your pension, so damn be it. People don't think like that anymore. Like, oh my gosh, people, I'm trying to heal. So you want to talk about being the poster boy of, you know, any of this stuff where recon has really done a number on your self-worth and all of that, gossip behind your back, trying to heal from that, and you're welcome with open arms, and then you just pretend that Christianity is like every other religion. You do. As long as you're good enough. That's other religions. Because it's a scale. It's the karma scale. You know what I'm talking about. God doesn't work like that. Give me your heart, my son, the proverb writer says. As a child, absorb everything you can in order to be in unity with him. It's not difficult, but it is difficult because of the flesh, but like, it's not a hard concept. It's just the matter of your will to execute it because you got your cushy chair. 
I like somebody so much and I don't want to offend them. You know what? Right in that vacuum, that's a nice posture to be in. But at some point, you're going to have to figure out what it is that you have to say despite their feelings. Because God comes first. And if you didn't get that as a leader, what the heck are you doing? You can't lead your congregation out of darkness if you are basking in the same darkness. If you're turning a blind eye, like I said, you don't have to be dissing out every single thing that people are doing without grace. But if you're telling someone it's okay, and particularly in the leadership, oh my word, I have been to churches that cover up adultery. They cover up, you know, drinking and driving, leadership. They cover up all kinds of nonsense. They cover up, oh my gosh, I don't even want to say half the stuff they covered up in the leadership. You know what? This is a better scenario. If you have the leadership, okay, and I'm not talking about cleaning up act and being some sort of moralist. I'm talking about like, they don't have any besetting sins. Look it up. I don't have the time right now. And the congregation is whack. That's a better scenario than having the leadership in shambles. Because if the blind lead the blind, you know where they're going. Both are going in the ditch. All the lemmings fall off the cliff. Okay? It's the way it goes. But you didn't offend anyone. (laughs) It's the whole shall we continue in sin that grace may abound. Obviously the recons are going to say no. Actually, obviously the other side I just talked about will say no. But neither of them know what that means. The recons will say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, as in like, work it out and make sure you check all those boxes. I just said that. And then the other side will be like, well, it doesn't matter what you do at all. You know, as long as you've, you know, believe that Jesus is the Lord and then like, you can live the way you want because we're going to be patient with you until you feel like doing it. Because it's supposed to come from within. So until you feel like doing it, you know what? Both the recons and the other people try to save face. The recons will cover up or not cover up or do whatever they think they have to do in order to look a certain way, whatever that way is. It may mean that they want to look a totally different way than everybody else wants to look, but it's still about saving face. The other side will save face by probably erring on the side of more cover up. Or we're going to go ahead and have so-and-so in leadership because he's this type of person. Screw what Timothy or Titus have to say. But because he's so nice. We only have five people, not six people or whatever the numbers are. We only have 12 people, not 13. Like, I don't know. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to have a certain amount of elders, deacons, or pastors. People throw arbitrary numbers out there like it's going out of style. If you don't have enough people that are qualified, have less, bear to be an Elijah where he made enemies everywhere. Not because he bashed people over the head like a recon. I mean, maybe you can say that, but because he actually spoke the truth. This is not my normal episode, but it makes me really tired as a human being to try to unravel the mess that a recon threw at me, the recon environment threw at me, And then be out of the frying pan into the fire, so to speak. Because then I start thinking. 
Well, what if the recons were right? What if this is the worst end of the spectrum and they were the better end of the spectrum on the other side? What if, you know, it really is safer in the cult? But the reality is that everyone, recon or not, if they're depraved enough, are going to make God into their own image. That's not scripture's fault. That's not the institution of church's fault. That is evil people's fault. Evil or mistaken, if you want to be charitable. Stop being the poster boy for your own agenda, I guess is the bottom line that I'm trying to get to. Recon, stop being the poster boys for your utopian universe on this earth. Everybody else, stop being the poster boy for earthly safety and start actually serving God with your heart and soul and mind in entirety. And that doesn't mean trying to figure out how few Sundays you can get away with going to church. Oh yeah, I'm talking about leadership here, not laymen. You know, I asked a church one time, I'm like, what's, what's the biggest strength and biggest weakness of this church, you think? And the biggest weakness was membership attendance. Funny thing is, yeah, the membership was lower than they wanted to be, but it wasn't like the leadership was giving them any damn good example. Blind leading the blind, man. My dad used to say, Christians are like manure. When you put them in a pile to just talk about themselves and do what they want, they freaking stink. You got to spread them out to become compost so they do something good. Now, he used that in a recon sense because, of course, like you spread them out, go forth and yada. But you could take that as in if you keep talking in your echo chamber too long, amongst all the manure you really like, you're good for nothing. We got to throw the whole man out. But if you spread out, start talking to people you don't normally talk to, learn about them, start branching out of your comfort zone and actually doing what God says because you want to have better communion with him so that you can express that communion to your congregants or to your friends, if you're not a leader, something. That's a better case. Stop chasing the money. Stop chasing the position, chasing the fame, the control, whatever the heck your idol is. Your position can be your God. Your ease can be your God. I mean, weird enough to say, but God's grace can be your God. Meaning that you are going to just worship the fact that you're a shoo-in. Instead of desiring to be sanctified. You're not a shoo-in. In a way, funny enough, you are expendable. You need a little bit of dose of that recon thrown at you. God can raise up the stones. Yes, you're not expendable. I've already went through that. But this is a very difficult situation for me to be in. Yo, I had no notes here. Because this is what was on my head. Weird, I know. Deviated from the norm here because it's supposed to be a bash on recons. But maybe this does tie in because you can see how the other side of the horseshoe, like the, the, the people I'm just talking about who just are lethargic, good for nothing, did give rise to the recons. Paul was confident enough in him seeking the Lord, not because he was perfect, but he was confident enough in his relationship with the Lord that he was able to say, watch me and do what I do. He would take the punches if they watched him and did something wrong. And he would repent. Of course, I'm sure he would. I don't think 
many leaders can say that of a pure heart. I think a lot of recons, for example, might be like, yeah, watch what I do and do it because they're coming from a place of pride and they think that there's all that. But as far as being able to be humble and say, hey, I am seeking the Lord with a genuine heart because I've searched my soul and I know what I desire and it can never be quenched, can never be quenched. Did you get that part? Go ahead and copy me. So I guess this is called the horseshoe episode or whatever. Maybe that's what I'll call it, I guess. Recons exist because of that first problem. Which is better? Oh, neither's better. It's just two extremes. You do have to be wary of both. You don't have to become a recon to avoid the problems of apathy I've just talked about. But you don't need to be apathetic in order to get rid of the recon mentality. So what are you going to do? How are you going to reconcile both of these things in your church? I would say start, call your leaders into account. Don't let them off the hook. You have a responsibility to hold your leaders accountable. And if you are a leader, snap out of it. You know better. I suggest, I don't know, using the Bible as your final authority in every aspect, even the ones that are secret and the ones that aren't comfortable to use the scripture for. Stop being run by relational politics. Nuclear bomb the good old boy system. Get rid of the tears. And if you're concerned so much about offending someone by doing what's right, they're the problem, not you. There's a way to do what's right, of course. But you are never, this is the thing, you're never going to be able to sugarcoat or package your message of truth well enough or, or tolerant enough for someone who's already hell-bent on doing their own thing. You're never going to do it, so stop trying. Because then you've become a servant of men, not a servant of God. Do it enough so that before God, your conscience is clear that you have graced that person with a loving delivery. But that's it. Stop after that. Because then you have a new idol. You can have an idol called peace. You can. Literally anything can be an idol apart from the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. Anything. So I'm done with this episode. I'm just cutting it short. I'll see you next time. Thank you.